Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. We all go a little mad sometimes. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Sometimes. That is what I... And for those of you who are unfamiliar, we are a bad movie podcast, and each week we talk about bad movies and do stupid jokes, like the one we just did for now, <laughs> involving a couple of Draculas <laughs> and or the three screams. Uh, what we're going to do tonight is talk about a little film called Scream 3, from the year 2000. That seems so long ago. It was 2000. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. We thought we were doing Dracula 2000. 2000. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. That's the one with the two Draculas. Uh, this is the one with uh, the tired actors. Are you trying to take this off? Yeah, it's coming off. It's... All right, into your Velcro. There it is. Wow, look how easy that comes off. Now I'm a human being and not a vampire anymore. <laughs> So this is the third film in the Wes Craven series of serial killer movies, which gets a little too self-reflexive on all the self-reflexivity that's been going on for two other movies. Yeah, so basically what we open on Cotton Weary, stuck in traffic. Yeah. L.A. traffic, right, everyone? It's the first of about 114 L.A. jokes. Yeah. Because, you know, whereas, like, the first movie we're skewering horror movies, uh, this one we're just going to skewer Hollywood on the whole. It's like uh, Robert Altman's The Player, but with shitty, shitty actors in it. It's the player for people who go to horror conventions, I guess. That's the difference? Well, yeah, you can find Jane Silent Bob at a horror convention there in this movie. We'll get to that a little later. It's, we open on the Hollywood side, and uh, Cotton Weary's stuck in traffic, and apparently he has become, because it's 2000, like a Jenny Jones-esque talk show host. Or a Jerry Springer-esque. Yeah. Or, or Oprah. <laughs> because he has the number one daytime syndicated talk show. Remember when uh, Jenny Jones facilitated a murder? Yeah, oh yeah! Yeah, she oh. sure did. It's like hilarious, and then that guy killed somebody. <laughs> yeah, boy, her face was really <laughs> As red as Sally Jesse Raphael's glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember her? <laughs> 
So yeah, he's a big talk show host because he's made famous after uh, being cleared of all charges for not being a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> for going to jail for murder, they give him a talk show. And then, and, and the talk show name, now this is, this is genius here, 100% Cotton. Whoa. That's an unseemly title. If my kid, if I come home, my kid's watching 100% Cotton. I'm like, what the fuck are you watching? What is this, a Haynes commercial? <laughs> Why would it sound like that, though? 100%. <laughs> it's a creepy term. Is it? I think so. I think it's a... You might as well call it 100% me. <laughs> well, that's, you know, then it's a talk show all about him. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's all cotton in your face. <laughs> exactly. That's why it's creepy. <laughs> but it's not like... I can understand 100% cotton if it was like, here's my girlfriend. She's 100% cotton. <laughs> That's creepy, but yeah. if it's like, you know, here's a, this bushel of towels. They're 100% cop. There's no creativity there. Nothing creepy about a bushel of towels. So this dude is going home after a long day on the set of 100% cop. <laughs> <laughs> they work hard. He gives 110% cop to every episode. <laughs> but, but only 100% makes it to the screen. You know? <laughs> the camera adds 10%. Hey! And he's stuck in traffic. He's, of course, arguing with an agent over a cameo in a movie. Hollywood. Oh, man. I wish every five minutes someone was Hollywood, am I right? Hollyweird. Yeah, it's more, more like Hollyweird. There's so right. much Hollyweird in this movie. He gets, oh, a, a terrifying call waiting. He gets a terrifying call waiting. And this is, when the, the, this is, this is not your dad's scream movie, all right? Because it's not the crazy scream voice. It's a sexy lady. And he's like, oh, way to turn the tables. Exactly. Like, ooh, is there a sexy lady scream going to come out with, like, blonde hair and the mask? But no. He gets a wrong number, and it's a sexy lady. So he's like, oh, Meryl, I'm going to call you back. There's like, some call on the other line. And then he just flirts with this stranger. It's I, love, wrong I love the thinking here, right? Because he's, like, conducting a business deal and you know, arguing over stuff that will make him money. And then this lady calls, this mystery lady, and he's like, Merv, I have to call you back. I might fuck this stranger who accidentally <laughs> called me. I might turn this wrong number into a sexual encounter, because all I have to do is keep this lady on the phone, and it's going to happen. Just keep her talking until eventually I wear her down. She <laughs> tells me where she lives, I go over there, and then maybe I fuck her. I think that's the thinking here. Yeah, it's a one, two, three process. But he's already dating Kelly Rutherford, we find out. <laughs> Megan from Melrose Place. <laughs> Anybody? No, there's never anybody. But here's the twist. The the sexy lady turns into the scream voice. Oh, what? It's, it's, <laughs> I, yeah, you no, 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 that's just a just, just 100% cop in my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, it turns into the scream voice. What was I going to say? Oh, so let's talk about this. The voice modulators in this movie. It's so stupid. They, I think they were made by a genie. Because <laughs> It's a magical device in this movie. It's not just like, click, hello, Sydney. It's all sorts of voices. Any voice in the world. Any voice in the world. Merv Griffin, Wes Craven, Hitler. Yeah. Nev Campbell does not have a memorable voice. I don't know how you, you like, go in and get a microchip that sounds like Nev Campbell. I don't understand it. And also... As we find out, like, at the end of the movie, who this killer is, and he's, like, related to her, and whatever. Oh, fuck! Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, 
he's like never physically met her. No. So how does he know how her voice sounds? How like he's just sitting there tweaking something <laughs> till it's oh, oh oh that's just that's a pitch too high. Like, really oh, 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 how do I unsolder something? <laughs> <laughs> Let me set my machine to David Arquette just right there. <laughs> Maybe for Nev Campbell they just bought like a, a box set of Party of Five <laughs> and then just like was watching a chapter on repeat. There's like background noise in. It's like a soundboard. <laughs> Everybody wants. Oh, don't get me started. That's one of the best theme songs of all time. It's a good harmonica you use. So basically, it's like, hey, I'm I'm in your house. I'm gonna kill your girlfriend. Imagine I'm doing the scream voice right now. Just everyone close your eyes. And he's so Cotton Weary starts driving through traffic. He calls the the police, but in a hilarious tw- twist, the police have a busy signal. Right, everybody. Oh, That's cute. That's oh, really cute. Weird, I love guys. it. Yeah. That's what happens out there. Mm-hmm. It's like leave your number. With my agent, I'm a police officer, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll do lunch. It wasn't busy because there was too many emergencies. It was busy because the operator was out at an audition <laughs> <laughs> or something. Yeah. So Nick from Melrose Place is home alone, awaiting 100% cotton to come back in. And she uh, does not call him 100% cotton. I imagine she's calling cotton out of the bedroom or inside the bedroom. We should call him cotton. Cot? Cot. Hey, Cot. If your nick, if your name is Cotton, the nickname is Cot. <laughs> yeah, you say hey, Cot. I, mean, I want to be nicknamed after the laziest put together <laughs> sleeping device of all time. It's entirely possible. I want to, I want to be nicknamed after what a about to be divorced husband sleeps on. <laughs> the only other option is Ton, and that's just like a fat joke. <laughs> You don't want that. That's one of those you might have to say the full name. You might have to say a hundred percent of the name of Cotton. Uh, so, so the scream, the scream is inside the, <laughs> the killer ghost face. They call him Ghost Face. I think is the, the Ghost Face Killer is in there. <laughs> He's in there. He's tooling around with a new album. He's <laughs> in there producing a new one. Yeah. And then she just gets attacked. What do you want? This is the cold open of a shitty movie. She, yeah, she gets attacked thinking that it's Cotton Weary playing a joke on her, which she says something about, like, I'm sick and tired of all of your scream games. <laughs> what is going on in that house? <laughs> all of your scream games? Also, I don't think this guy should be playing games. This guy narrowly was... just missed the death sentence, right? Like, the needle was, like, right here, and somebody was like, hey, no! Like every time they have sex, like, hey, imagine if I actually killed that woman. <laughs> just one of my scream games. Sorry, I'm just kidding around. I, I might have actually killed her. Like, I feel if you want to try to play a scream game, you get one shot of a scream game, and then he or she says no scream games. Yeah. If this is another one of your scream games, that's at least more than three. You've tried three times at a screen game. Hey, babe, I poisoned your food. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did, I did not do that. <laughs> Eat your food. So, this girl gets murdered, and so does Cotton Weary. Cot- the Cotton finally gets jibbed. Do you think... That's great. Do you think, um, like, big hardcore fans of this franchise are like, Oh, Possible. I, I was one of those. I like Cotton Weary. I was disappointed too. How are you really? Couple Draculas agree, yeah. <laughs> two out of two Draculas agree. It's Lunch Forever. He's the best actor in the whole goddamn franchise. 
Yeah, that's probably pretty true. Nobody's weeping Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> that's actually 100% true. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, interesting, interesting tidbit about this. So there's a, there's a scene where he's like, there's like a shot, he's coming down this hallway in the apartment, and then he just stops, and Leo Shriver's his sweater off, and there's like another sweater beneath it. And I guess that was because like he'd been working out recently and he insisted that he wear like a tight white sweater to just pack out while he was doing this I'm about to be murdered scene. Well yeah, you don't get to play Sabertooth without a few pack outs. <laughs> it was a ten year plan. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> really thinking far out to play Sabertooth. <laughs> yes. Someday I'll get that. That's a bad yeah, trapper impression. Uh, I thought that was Professor X for a second. <laughs> Moving on. So he's dead. So like like unlike the first movie, which is just like introduce like actually playing with like what you expect a horror movie to be and like, you know, uh, sending that up in ways. This is just like, hey, let's meet up with all of our favorite characters, like Dewey and fucking Gale Weathers, who everyone thinks is a bitch at the beginning of every movie. Every movie she comes out like, oh that bitch Gale Weathers. It's like because off screen, off movie, every time she does something heinous. She just resets herself to zero. Like she, every time. Every time <laughs> she writes another book, a tell-all about everyone's like, you know, cowardish behavior probably, right? And just everyone rolls her eyes when she comes like, fuck you, I'm not gonna save you next well, time. You know, like, I didn't also, that. In this movie I wouldn't roll my eyes because apparently like she was a news reporter, right? And like she worked her way up to 60 minutes too. <laughs> oh yeah, RIPD that shit. Which didn't work out. And yeah. now and now she's a news anchor for something called Total Entertainment. It's like working for E. She goes from like hard copy reporter. It's her and Billy Bush, right? <laughs> <laughs> talking, talking about the Ghostface Killers. Yeah, exactly. Who's reading those books, by the way? Because that's another thing. When we're introduced to her, Courtney Cox, our cat at this point, by the way, uh, is lecturing at some sort of journalism school, and some dude stands up and he's like, uh, how do you account for you being a heartless snake? She's just like, well, sometimes journalism. <laughs> and everyone else in this, like, it's a packed lecture hall. It's like, that fucking guy, and that's really disrespectful of Gail Weathers. I'm like, no, that guy's right. This is no one talking to you. You're paying for this it's shit. It's like Lex Luthor giving a school at NYU business. You know what I mean? It's just, everyone's just like, boo! You're a villain. You, sir, are a villain. No, 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 but he makes money. He does so make money. Okay. He, he makes it rain. <laughs> so then we're reintroduced. <laughs> Let's get out over there. No, no, I was just laughing at Steve. <laughs> Some so, 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 <laughs> And Neve Campbell here? Yeah, Neve she, Campbell. She's more now, Sydney's working at a crisis hotline. She's, you know, all these suicidos are calling up asking, <laughs> asking for help in their lives. Oh, all those whiny suicidos. I know how you hate them, so. Uh, oh, but it's over the phone because she doesn't leave her house because she's like shut in because she's so damaged from uh, the past two times yeah. a bunch of people tried to kill her. She's definitely a secret hoarder in this situation. <laughs> you only see hoarder. Hoarder. Okay, continue. Like, like I thought that was going someplace. Else. Like A and E's hit show. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Two rooms, but I'm imagining, you know, if she's such a broken person now. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a little bit like a newspaper room. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> dead cat room. Yeah. yeah, usually it all it takes is like the death of one parent and or a tangential connection to 9-11. This woman's caused the death of at least 20 people at this point. So she's definitely hoarding shit. She has oh, a problem yeah. letting things go. She's got like her Randy room with all her Randy memorabilia. How much Jamie Kennedy related memorabilia is in one room? It's a quarter. You don't need a Randy room. You can have the Randy shelf in the stew room. That's like the rumpus room. You hang out in your Randy room. The Randy room is also the garage. It's the corner of the garage by the recycling bin. Yeah, by the litter box. <laughs> She's got a. So she's got her new life, and you know she, she's off the grid. The last thing Ghostface says when he kills Cotton Weary is, where is Sydney? Hey, why the fuck would this guy that narrowly didn't kill her mother know where she is? They're not keeping tabs. They're not pen pals. They're not best buds. They're people who, for a long period of time, one hated the other one, and the other one was trying to convince her not to hate him. That's not a relationship you keep tabs on. Hey, buddy, remember that time you almost ended my life by false identifying me? <laughs> Where are you living these days? But that's the problem with these sequels. Everyone continues to be best buds. Let me tell you this. If the three of us ever had a situation where we were narrowly almost killed by a serial killer, I'm just going to not talk to you ever again. I'm not going to, like, a survivor's brunch. You know, I'm going to forget when your birthday is. Or you're going to your big talk show. <laughs> Away. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna head west and forget my troubles. Cause fuck that. Why do I want to keep drumming it up? It's gross. Or why would I want to go to college with Jamie Kennedy? That's a bullshit thing in that second movie. Not to switch movies here, but they totally pull the same by the bell. But yeah, everyone just go to the same college. Scream the college years. <laughs> They're gonna scream you, Billy Crystal and John Goodman in there. <laughs> I would imagine, I like to imagine that, like, uh, Nev Campbell asked Jamie Kennedy where he's going. He's like, oh, I'm undecided. He's like, where are you going? Oh, Winslow. I'm going to Winslow, too. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely there. I got early admission, so probably before you, right? <laughs> right. So, they're filming another Stab movie. This is just... It's stab 3. Stab 3. You know what? If this movie was made now, it would be Stab 3D. <laughs> just putting that out there. David Arquette in 3D. Oh, that, little, that little mustache coming out at you? <laughs> That's the mustache in the third dimension. <laughs> no, it sounded like drapes. That's, by the way, that's what Gail Weathers sees in the bedroom. <laughs> about her hair for a quick second. I don't know what it's. It's the it's kind of the haircut Pony Boy gets when 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 like uh, Pony Boy gets that bad haircut. Yeah, when he, when when uh, Johnny cuts it with a switchblade. It's just like a really bad bangs. It happens in movies every so often, uh, and it happens to Courtney Cox in this movie when you watch it. Uh, it's it's a little game I like to play called Is That a Wig? <laughs> And the way the actor one-ups you on Is That a Wig is if you get to the end credits and you can't tell if it's a wig. 
and I can't, I don't know. It's it's like kind of crooked at some point. It's just, it's really bad bangs, you're right. It's like rusty switchblade bangs. Maybe they sawed it off with like the switchblade comb. Yeah. Just really kept working it. Well, the, the, it's, ha- it's half a wig half the time because like... The, there were so many rewrites and redos of this movie because it was like, we don't want the ending to come on the internet. So they did like three versions of every scene. That's gotta be obnoxious, huh? It's gotta be like that three times. <laughs> if anyone could do it, what the fuck is the point? <laughs> if anyone could do oh, be the killer? Yeah, like, who cares? Because you can just have a scene at the end of the movie where it's, it's very Scooby Doo ish, this movie. More so than the rest oh, of the Oh, this is the Scooby Dooiest of all of them. <laughs> That's for certain. So they're making a stab movie, okay, and they're on set. And this is what doesn't make any sense. This is like the third movie. And we already know from the second movie, like that starts off at the stab premiere, that it just borrows shit from the first screen yeah. movie, and that's like the movie. This stab three is just using shit also from the first screen movie. What is going on in these stab movies? It just keeps going back to the same house. Like they have it set up with the. Um, her, what's her face there? Uh, mm. Ken Rose McGowan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rose McGowan. And like where she gets murdered with like the garage door yep. in the first movie. That's still set up. That right, might happen again. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Oh, Stab 3, the copycatting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they all are, right? <clears throat> yeah, it's, all, it's a series all, of copycats. They're all guys putting on screen masks doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah and I'll tell you what, the end of this movie... We find out who started the whole thing. Oh, no. Yeah, because my teeth were chattering when we were <laughs> fucking figure that out. So while we're on the movie line here, I think we're in cameo country. Oh, it is it is time for some serious cameos. We're switching to Roger Corbin. The only time in like anything like this where there's a cameo, I was like, oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah. It's Roger Corbin! And he's arguing like against violence in movies, kind of? He's like a studio executive that wants him to tone down because... See, it's cute because he was schlocky and he liked violence. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's, it's a real, uh... It's a thick man's joke. And Lance Henriksen with blonde hair, which I really just couldn't stop looking at. Yeah, Lance Henriksen's playing like the Wes Craven surrogate in this movie. Yeah, I was just about to say that he's not a cameo. That he's not playing Lance Henriksen. He's playing the producer. And uh, Jay and Silent Bob are on tour of the studio. We could just do it. Which I don't. I mean, what? I'm not fuck. I'm so, not. This movie takes place in the, in the viewest universe. <laughs> <laughs> Which means all the other three screen movies take place in so, the universe. That means James and Bob probably went to go see Stab in the theaters. Probably. And they probably loved it. It's a rich tapestry. It's been four, it's like 35 minutes in, I'm not invested at all, and then two cartoon characters show up. Like, oh, now I'm really fucking scared. You might as well be followed by, like, Bugs Bunny and two of the four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Who cares? It's like they're going to Toontown. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, there's a lot. They're on the studio a lot. Like, where's the magic door to walk through the Toontown? The sun's singing to you. You know, Bob Hoskins is aggravated. (laughs) You know about Jane and Silent Bob, they work for peanuts and they're just elephants for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see Jane and Silent Bob take a dip bath. Rabbit jokes. <laughs> um, no, it's weird because like then like Jason Mewes sees uh, Courtney Cox and confuses her for Connie Chung. That's a joke. 
Yeah, it's the joke. Oh, that's weird. And yeah, she uh, flips him the bird. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, she gets her revenge. Also, not like a cameo, but playing a tourist, Wes Craven, right behind him. Are you Hawaiian shirt, bucket hat, snapping photos? I didn't notice that, but you know the best? In this first screen movie, Wes Craven has a great cameo. Oh, Freddy Krueger the janitor? Yeah, Fred the janitor, just this nasty old bastard, dressed up as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, what is that supposed to tell you? What does that say? It doesn't, it, 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 why is what it, it tells you. Why. I'm trying to watch a movie. Don't make me have to think about other movies. Like, keep me in your world. And honestly, it took me out of the movie to see a janitor mop on the floor with a hat on. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah, you're inside, janitor. How about some professionalism? No <laughs> respect. Take off that knived glove while you're at it. There's kids around. That hat hook isn't there for nothing. Well, I guess he's just kind of bumming because, like, the Fonz is his boss in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Fonz as uh, principal. Ah, damn! Thought I'd be able to pull it out. Embry. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, I, I just watched all four of those movies. Hey, good for you. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got this cast of like actors that are playing the actors you know, which is annoying, except for one. Parker Posey is fantastic in this movie because she's fantastic in almost everything. But that's it. Uh, Emily Mortimer is playing Nev Campbell. She's got nothing to do in this movie. She hides in the back of the frame in nine out of her ten scenes. <laughs> she like almost says things like, nah, forget it. Like, no, no, seriously, you're in the movie. What, what do you think? Like someone's no, like, I, I just know. I wish I could figure out who this killer was. And she's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> she knows. There's uh, a young male actor and a sassy black actor. He's real sassy. It's fun. Yep. Right? He's fun. <laughs> you never see that in a horror movie. It's so bad. Like, just write a black character. Why, why does he have to be that? Well, because it's supposed to be a guy who can convincingly play a character that could convincingly replace Jamie Kennedy's character. <laughs> Or something. Those are big shoes to fill. Big clown shoes to fill. Big bowling shoes. God, what an obnoxious character that is. We'll get to that. So they're making this movie, and we're introduced to the best police detective of all time, Mick Dreamy. Mm. And, and this is like his comeback. Like, yeah. he reemerged from the late 80s. This hair is so coiffed. Like, this is not a gritty police detective haircut. There's a lot of moose going on. There's curls. Because it's Hollywood. Stop forgetting. Yeah, we'll do lunch. He likes movies, too. Of course he's movie-obsessed, because it's a Scream movie. Someone's got to be movie-obsessed. Well, no, it's weird, because Nev Campbell's being interviewed by him. He has one movie poster. She's like, ah, oh, real movie buff, huh? And he's like, no, I won that in a raffle. Like, I, don't, I don't know, it's, it's, it's literally one poster. Well, it's like an old-timey, like, Atomic Age film noir, so it means, like, he knows. Oh, he knows the, the stuff. for Kiss Me Deadly. Great movie, by the way. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's the movie buff, right? He grew up in Hollywood, so they're like, he explains, like, McDreamy's like, like, oh, listen, I get all these backlot cases because I know the business. <laughs> Campbell's like, I'm not sleeping. <laughs> he hits on her the entire time. She's like, please help me. There's a killer after me. He's like, yeah, what did you... Did, did, did that make, how does that make you feel? And it's just like a leg. He's just got this arm going after her. Wow, Sydney, I sure am lucky you didn't get murdered, those two other <laughs> You are beautiful. And he's the worst detective ever. He's so far away from everything. He's like, oh, I'm more of a Trace Runs Cold type of guy. <laughs> when you are out uh, policed by David Arquette's deputy Dewey character, 
who's also like physically disabled in this movie. Like you're a really bad police detective. How is he magically not disabled in the fourth movie? Oh, does he not have? Yeah, he's just anymore? running around like it's all fine. Do you think they were like halfway through filming that movie and he was like, "Oh, hey Wes, remember I got stabbed in the spine and I had that limp in the last one?" He's like, oh, "Fuck it, <laughs> you, got, you got you got a robot leg now. You let's go, robot." It's 2012. You can have a robot leg. You can get it on Twitter. What? <laughs> I love Wes, Wes Craven not understanding how Twitter works. He's <laughs> even Amazon. <laughs> Makes sense. Free, free shipping on that Twitter, huh? <laughs> so, I mean, the basic the through of this movie is people from the cast are getting murdered. Oh, and the topic of everything off is our, our director, Roman, played by Scott Foley in his first ever movie. Maybe his last. I don't, he does not do movies well. He's, he's a small screen man. He's on uh, Scandal, I yeah. believe, is the program. Yeah. And uh, we, we forgot to mention, uh, was it Jenny McCarthy? Yeah, she gets, oh, yeah. She gets uh, copied to death with a copying machine. <laughs> right? What? No, she gets stabbed through the back and thrown through a door. Oh, right, okay. Did you see one of the alternate cuts that they filmed? <laughs> no, I, I got bamboozled by one screen. <laughs> I think we just discovered Eric fell asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a copy machine, man, right? <laughs> I was confusing with the riveting fax machine scene, which is later in the film. And that one actually happened, right? The fax is coming from inside the house. He's <laughs> waiting, but come on. No. Yeah, they're like faxing like the script. You know? Oh, no, what's it going to I want to see how it ends. I'm not leaving the house. But it, it was too... <laughs> It was already old to be faxing pages of something. Well, not when you're inside of the house and you're trying to, you know, keep them in there for. What about AOL chat? You know, like you get an instant message. Guys, wait! I've got mail. (laughs) Did you hear that loud door opening noise? That means a buddy of mine signed on. (laughs) Did you hear that wolf howl? That means a killer is (laughs) something. Hey. How there might be ghosts in this movie. <laughs> That's right, you heard it right. <laughs> there may be some good. Like, it's like, yeah, I know all the movies take place in reality, but we do want to plant the seed that we might not be at a ghost country just yet. Three movies in, there might be a specter or two out there. So, like, Nev Campbell's having this dream. Like, she lives up in hill country. She's totally off the grid. Like, Kung Fu the Legend continues. Like, really, nowhere is the bill shit, right? Yeah. And she's taking a nap. She always takes naps in these movies. Well, she's depressed, Andrew. Is she depressed in that? Yeah, she is. <laughs> well, I should say that first one, but yeah, mother she, just died. She had things to be depressed you about. You know what probably doesn't help for depression? Hearing everyone else's problems. <laughs> All Operating that crisis hotline. Unless it's like a real schadenfreude thing. Just she hangs up the phone like, that sucks. <laughs> Glad I'm up here alone with my dog. Only my mom got murdered. <laughs> my mom, my two boyfriends, a couple of friends, friends of friends. Jamie Kennedy. Omar Apps for no reason. Like, what kind of call would have to call in in order for her to feel good? Right? Yeah, that's actually true. She would like have to be on the Holocaust Survivor Hotline. I'd be like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is this Cambodian genocide? <laughs> <laughs> so she's taking this nap, right? 
having all sorts of weird dreams. And her mom, like, you hear her mother, or what is supposed to be her mother, and like, it's just like, ooh, I'm outside your house. Sounds like my mother. <laughs> Doing her best ghost impression. It's a, they're ghostly noises, and a ghostly well, breeze. Well, also, she like comes up to the window, and she's got makeup on, like Gina Davis and Beetlejuice. <laughs> Like that last scene when they're over the table, yeah. they're just turning to dust. Yeah. That's what she looks like. And then you're like, wow, that's terrifying. And then it turns into the ghost face killer and smashes through the window. And you're like, wow, this is intense. And then it's a dream. But the movie is clearly set up that it's like, there might be a ghost. <laughs> Look at all that fog out there. A ghost could be hiding in that fog. This brings us to, and you know who tells us there might be a ghost? Jamie Kennedy himself. He comes. He there. He's a ghost. <laughs> he's a ghost. He died. Famous Hollywood ghost. <laughs> he's haunting the Laugh Factory right now. <laughs> he's haunting that LA New Year's Eve party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that just the best thing you've ever done with your time? Watching that. Oh, <laughs> that fight breaks out at the end. <laughs> And here's to a new year! Two women punch each other in the face. He's just taking his lav mic off like, well, that was embarrassing. Well, if that didn't kill my career, nothing will. Anyway. Jenny McCarthy gets killed and who cares? A bunch of people get killed and who cares? And they're like, what? We have no idea how to fight this killer. And then Heather Matarazzo shows up with a VHS. And everyone's like, oh my god, it's Randy's sister, remember? And everyone's like, no, we've never seen this character before. No, I, I saw two movies, spent a lot of time with you people, and not once was there a sister ever mentioned. There are two secret siblings in this film. She's the first of them. I just don't need it. I don't need it. You know what? Here's the deal, Heather Matarazzo. If your brother leaves a In Case I Die trilogy tape behind, <laughs> mail it to the people he asked you to. Because also, how is she getting on this Hollywood backlot? She's just in a trailer like, hey guys. <laughs> and they're like, they're legitimately shocked because they're right. What are you doing here? And how did he set that up? In case Cotton Weary is murdered. <laughs> Get this to Sydney. Like, wait, wait for the signs. First... A big-chested bear of a talk show host will get killed. And then an old specter might show up in the dreams. <laughs> so not only did Jamie was Jamie Kennedy prescient enough to realize that this might be a trilogy, his sister was looking out for the signs of a trilogy for the last three years. Finally found the trilogy which she was looking for and brought the tape at that exact time. Let me tell you something. If one of my siblings ever came to me and was like, listen, there's this tape... <laughs> It's an In Case I Die tape. Uh, it's an In Case I Die tape that's going to explain to all of my friends that they're inside a trilogy. I need you to give it to them in the event of my death. Yeah, yeah I'll explain it to a garbage can. <laughs> Slash, I'm probably going to call someone. Yeah. I don't know, I mean, you know, the nut house, maybe not. Maybe I'll just be like, you know what? I think you need to talk to mom and dad about something. Because that's really morbid shit. I think you need to change school. Stop following this fucking lightning rod of death around at Sydney, alright? Yeah, you know what? You didn't need to jump right to the four-year college. Yeah. Two years in community college, yeah, yeah. away from that black cloud of death. <laughs> Let her get a couple years ahead of you. Maybe she'll transfer. <laughs> then you can go to that college. But stop following her around, Linus. <laughs> <laughs> fucking embarrassing the Jim Kennedy so the rules of in case he's like hey guys I kind of figured I'd be a, 
I might get killed right now. I'm not. By the way, I'm not heading for the hills. I want to make this tape. Well, you know, he's a dedicated friend. Yeah, sure. He's like, I want to make sure that I'm going to give you rules that don't come in handy at all. The rules, by the way, in these movies never come in handy. Well, they kind of make sense in the first one because it's like as base as you can get. But then by this movie, it's like, all right, so uh, rule number five is if you're crossing the street and there's a there's a black dog and then you look and there's a school bus, that might mean that at some point in August a killer is going to be thinking about drumming up a plan to. <laughs> That's a rule. That's, that's definitely a rule. And he's also like, yeah, by the way, all bets are off. It could be supernatural, everybody. And I'm like, really? We're really going down this road? It's also like, oh, and uh, Sydney, you know, you might die because it's a trilogy now. They're ending the trilogy. But that's not going to happen. No. No, that's definitely not going to happen. But also the best part about this, though, like watching this on the TV, he's like doing a bit where he's yelling with his college roommate and wants to get in the room and everything. And he's like, just a second, I'm making it. Case I die video. And Courtney Cox is taking notes like, okay, might be supernatural. Oh, that's all. She's a writer, Andrew. Okay, she's taking notes. That's what writers do. Alright. <laughs> it just seems to me like he's giving them useless advice in the first place. It's not really filmic advice either. It's just like, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's supernatural. If someone tells me it might be supernatural, <laughs> I'm just going to turn the table. <laughs> so I've done this twice before. I know it's not supernatural. But then Sid goes on a movie set, and she keeps hearing her mother's voice, and there's more ghostly noises, because the old man who is trying to r- drum up the real estate, I guess, dressed up as her dead mother, like, it's so Scooby-Doo at this point. Trying to drum up the real estate to sell that abandoned amusement park off. <laughs> That's uh, that's right. Can we mention about how, how it's revealed that her mother used to work in Hollywood? Probably in adult features, I'm guessing. Well, because that's the other thing that this movie makes you want to care about is a character who was never a character in the first place. <laughs> this mother who's seen only in news footage and paper clippings in the first two movies is now like front and center. They find like this photo of this actress that, that with a different name that is the mother, and right. it's like, oh, that's from this lot. So they go and visit Carrie Fisher. Who is not Carrie Fisher? Who is a clone of Carrie Fisher? <laughs> this is so she's an actress that looks exactly like Carrie Fisher, played by Carrie Fisher, complaining about how she didn't get cast in uh, Star Wars because she wouldn't have sex with George Lucas. Who can enjoy that joke? Like who can sit there and enjoy whatever that joke is supposed to be? I think even the biggest Star Wars fan that saw this movie was just like, I don't want to be laughing. <laughs> But that's where he got the idea for Attack of the Clones, right? Because he found two identical women. When they, they fought each other? They're going to fight over me. And, and the one who sleeps with me gets to be the princess. The other one gets to be a clerk in a back lot of the studio somewhere. I'll see to that. Let the games begin. He'll never leave that basement. Yeah, this whole movie is kind of a Roman Polanski allegory because it's all about... How, uh-huh. how Sydney's mother, something terrible happened to her once at this director's house. <laughs> oh, it was Jack Nicholson's house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, come on. It's just really gross because, like, it, it's so unspeakable, even Lance Hendrickson can't talk about it. He's just like, I can't. It's just, it was, wow. I mean, what happened to her was horrible. And then he does the whole, like, but she brought it on her. <laughs> yeah. Totally washed his lens and fixed it. Here's what 
what's fucked up though, and this is why it's like sometimes bad to see too many movies. So they're talking about this, and I'm like, Wait, Andrew, do you think you've seen one too many movies? <laughs> this is why, right? So I was like, oh yeah, and then a few scenes from now they're gonna like drum up a bunch of orgy photos. Yeah, that's gonna be fucked up. And then I was like, no, that's Joan Allen and the Contender. <laughs> Never mind, there's no orgy photos in this movie. Fast forward. No, it's just this vague, horrific event that just ruined everyone's life that they touched. I, I think they, like, killed a baby. It was, <laughs> it was a devil sacrifice. It was like a snuff film. Yes! Like, where where the mother was, like, the, the murderer. Like, they, she got down and then murdered the baby. Oh my god! That was unbelievable. It's totally weird. <laughs> All bets are off. All bets are off. That, that, that is off. And by the way, at some point during this, when everyone's doing this, these, you know, these, this little kid investigation they're running, <laughs> there's, there's, we, we, we check back in on the police, who legitimately are just sitting around eating pizza. There's a scene of the police eating pizza. Yeah, they're eating pizza. Patrick Dempsey doesn't like to leave that office. He's well, when you got a cool Kiss Me Deadly poster and pizza everywhere, I don't really need you got a sexy fox on your couch. Yeah, that guy comes to you. <laughs> Fuck that. I'll let the news reporter and the actress playing the news reporter figure it all out. <laughs> That's actually where Parker Posey shines in this movie. Is like imitating what she believes to be like airheaded Gale Weathers. Yeah, oh, it's great. She's so great. She's good at her job. Uh, you know what? Um, like slasher movies like this don't need like as a method of killing off one of the characters a huge house explosion <laughs> oh yeah this is the fax machine scene <laughs> this is the fax machine scene so they cancel the movie they're like listen Jenny McCarthy's dead that black guy vanished nobody Ooh, knows nobody knows Patrick Warburton got stabbed oh yeah he's the bodyguard yeah yeah it doesn't matter the weird thing about this movie it's very new nightmare where like the movie's Craven's new nightmare. Craven's new nightmare. Yeah, the no. movie wraps, and they're like, the movie's canceled, it sucks, and everyone still keeps hanging out together. Like, everyone's going to everybody's house and hanging out, like, sucks about that movie. Hey, you want, you want to watch a movie? Like, no, these are actors. They're, 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 I mean, it's maybe some of them are friends, but they're not all best friends. This is best friends. Especially if you didn't finish the movie, because then you don't, like, come together and really bend through something. Yeah. This is just like, hey, that girl we all hate got killed. <laughs> and that dude whose name I didn't know vanished. Alright, you wanna get a pizza? Wanna hang out? And get a pizza at the police station. <laughs> police station pizzeria, it's delicious. That's a winning idea for a television show. <laughs> That's a little LA secret, the, the only good pizzas in the police station. <laughs> only in Hollywood. <laughs> Regional. So we're at we're having a, a we, we, our movie got canceled party and we keep getting these faxes that quite possibly ghost faces in the house because there's a, a bunch of different versions of the script and nobody knows who's next because we're going through the versions of the script. It's probably the actual script, right? Because he's filmed so many of them. <laughs> this is probably a candid moment. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's a meta joke. I'm going to steal a shot of them trying to figure out what's happening in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to film them all looking so confused. You did it again, you little genius. So everyone's like, oh my god, the, the killer's in the house, let's run out of the house. But the one actor is like, no, 
I'll learn if I keep looking at these faxes. And what this does is speak of new nightmare. It's that same bullshit thing where it's a magical script that's you read what just happened to you. Yeah. So he's pulling it out and he's like, mustachioed actor pulls this page out of the fax machine. What? I just did that. He's like, I can't see. Let me just get this rickety lighter. And it's like, uh oh, there's a gas leak and it explodes. And it's fantastic. It's a good explosion. It's a nuclear bomb. <laughs> I have never seen this big of an explosion before. Yeah, this is not a gas related explosion. This is like, holy shit, we wanted the block to go up explosion. It like hits the San Andreas fault and the big one starts. <laughs> That's how big this is. It, it would, it's so big, it would cause the big one. <laughs> big enough for the big one? The Eric Sisters story. Is that when I fall down in Los Angeles and the <laughs> Yep. Uh, so they all fall down a hill, because that's what the explosion does to everybody. And, Emily Mortimer's almost killed. Putty's dead at this point. Yeah, Putty's yeah. Warper. He just gets stabbed up, like, by Scott Foley, I guess. By the way, spoiler alert, Scott Foley doing it the whole time. I guess you can overpower uh, Patrick Warburton in this universe. Like, how, yeah, right, dude. The weird thing about the, the whole, all the screen movies is everyone get a good punch on Ghostface, but then they keep running. Like, if I get him down, ground and pound, and he's going to drop that knife. <laughs> No, you know what, though? He may or may not be supernaturally Oh, yeah, he, in this one, he might be a ghost. You're right. He'll actually be a ghost face. <laughs> a ghost face. <laughs> you know what one of the most terrifying moments of this movie is? So, like, Nev Campbell's on the set, and she's like, wow, this looks like my friend's house, but he's dead, and this is weird. And she's walking around, and she walks into a bedroom, and the scariest thing you ever see in the movie, hanging on the wall, is a... Creed poster. <laughs> and they're just all like shirtless, just in this fucking poster. Creed is all over this soundtrack for some reason. It's a problem because they reconstructed her own bedroom but put a Creed poster in there. I'd fucking sue. <laughs> like, if you painstakingly re- remake my own bedroom but the only detail you deem to change is put a Creed poster in there, fuck you. By the way, but Sydney, it sells soundtracks. I was so mesmerized by that Creed poster. I looked up the Screen 3 soundtrack. Track 1, Creed. Track 2, Slipknot. <laughs> okay. Orgy is on there. It's it's a real time capsule of how bad music was in the 2000s. Oh, it is the year 2000, the motion picture soundtrack. <laughs> that is for sure. There's uh, Static X is hanging out. Everybody remember Static oh, X, yeah. right? Is, is there a stain? There is a stain on there. There's uh, what's that? What's that song there? Uh, the Let the bodies hit the floor. Oh, I don't think we were up to that yet. No, I'm I, pretty sure that was that in this. I think so. Was I asleep? <laughs> yeah, it, it played during that copy machine scene. <laughs> That's when the big one was taking a bath. <laughs> Scream three on the copy machine. <laughs> so yeah, her, her the, the ghost of her mother, like basically, Ghostface gets under a sheet and literally starts going whoa, <laughs> and she gets really scared, like the. The guy walks through the doorway with like a bloody body bag on, and the movie totally plays it like, here's a ghost! <laughs> I was like, no, it's clearly just 
not ever going to be a ghost. And that, it's not ghost trapping me. And that that voice box he got straight from Jafar somehow has a button on it that can make it sound like somebody's dead mother. Like how? Where are you? Uh, I can understand. Maybe the ghost has to be real. He <laughs> captured the ghost and the machine. Oh my god! That's totally possible. <laughs> I think so. It's maybe a little bit possible. It's a Wes Craven movie. It's the third one. I think they can have it. So there's a bunch of Scooby-Dooing around, and then we wind up in the scooby Dooiest location. They're throwing a birthday party for the director, Scott Foley, because the movie's been canceled, and only the actors are going to go to his birthday party? Only the actors will go to this birthday party, and I seriously think the sign on the door to this house just says, Lance Henriksen's Orgy <laughs> Because if you ever want to get a good look at an orgy lair, it is this house. There are so many candelabras. Candelabras, a whole lot of mahogany. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing but secret passages. Remember the first movie where it was like, ooh, this is suburbia gone mad. This movie has ghosts and secret passages. If Vincent Price was still alive when this movie was made, like, he would have come out of one and been like, wrong guy, and just closed it. This is unrealistic even for me. (laughs) Who what a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, we're all, all these, everyone's being systematically killed, so let's all go into a big creepy house to celebrate a guy I barely know his birthday. Hey, free cake, man. Things what people will do for a freelance Hendrickson purchase cake. <laughs> they have several scenes in this movie where they just talk about his non-stop parties. Yep. And it's a lot of like Lance Hendrickson getting questions like, you fucker, didn't you? You know what's going on? He's like, listen, there's a whole lot of mistakes that were made in the 1970s. <laughs> That's one of the facts. And it's super confirmed that this is uh, like an orgy lair because Parker Posey gets killed in a mirror room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A whole lot of uh, double-sided mirrors. Yeah. Looking pleasure. A t- yeah, two-way mirror into a bedroom like the film Absolute Power. Oh, yeah. yeah nobody Ooh. saw that movie, huh? Nope. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, yeah, they just start getting picked up. One of the hilarious things is, I legitimately watching this movie was like, they seriously just forgot about that black dude. Yeah. Like, he just vanishes after that first scene where he's like, man, I hate playing the black guy. And then they're like, oh, you hate it, huh? Yeah. And then he's at this birthday party, and I, I feel like the other characters in this movie were like, oh. Oh, they invited him. He already <laughs> left before it was canceled. Good on this guy, because he showed up to act. He didn't show up to go on your goddamn Scooby-Doo caper. <laughs> but he gets the scooby Dooiest death of all. <laughs> and that's the price of not playing the role. Right? He's, he's, like, stabbed, and he's, like, running through the hall with a gut wound, and he's running on this, like, gorgeous, like, you know, long carpet runner, and the fucking killer is just like, ah! Yoinks the rug out from under him and he does like a triple lifty and breaks his neck. But Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy Doo were able to run in place fast enough to be okay in this scene. Yeah, it worked out for them. Thank you. I'll challenge you. I think the Scooby Dooiest death you could ever have is being stabbed in the back by Jonathan Winters and then the Harlem Globetrotters fuck you to death. That would be the end of it. That would be. It's pretty damn Scooby Doo. That is a Scooby Doo way to go. <laughs> if there ever was one, Batman and Robin just watched. <laughs> <laughs>
involved in this Batman? <laughs> no, we're not. Phyllis Diller's knocking on the door trying to come in. They're like, no, don't, don't bother. <laughs> don't let Phyllis Diller in here. Keep her outside with Jim Neighbors and the rest of this cameo. Is that cartoon ad for no reason? Delicious. Dillerishes? <laughs> no, let's keep going. So, I mean, Leave we're... that joke in the dust. For some reason, uh, he... The Ghostface, instead of killing Courtney Cox and David Arquette, ties them up like a Scooby-Doo. Like, like a Scooby-Doo would. <laughs> I'm gonna tie you up like a Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh my god, he's deranged. <laughs> Keeps calling everything Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Dad. And... <laughs> He, he calls up uh, Nev Campbell and he's like, you know, I'm going to kill your only two friends if, you know, if you don't come, you know, to certain death, essentially. And she's like, um, I'm just about to finish the pizza. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had it, murderer, but it is delish. Can you hold on a minute? And I still think I hate Gale Weathers. I don't know. I think I do. Yeah, goodbye. Like, you know what? Yeah, if you have to go back and forth so many times on whether or not you hate somebody, just let it die. Fuck it. Yeah, she's the best person you know, in your life. She runs to the rescue, and this is the beginning of Patrick Dempsey's major contribution to the movie, which is keep getting knocked out. Like, every time he comes in, he's like, I got and somebody hits him in the back of the head. His and he head has is that. like raw meat at the end of it. <laughs> the face is hamburger. Oh, He's been shot a couple times. And about at this time, Lance Hendrickson is executed, right? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. They just cut his throat. And they just throw him onto his goddamn shag carpet and let him bleed out. Bleed out under all those stains that are presumably <laughs> still there. All those 1970s stains. Yeah, that's no wine. <laughs> Lance Hendrickson's leftovers. That's disgusting. <laughs> so it's her brother. It's her half-brother. It's this who fucking thing. Who's, who's, a, who's a film director who decided to make, to, to sign on to direct this movie of his own half-sister's murder spree something, something. something. What, what we're explaining here, what I was saying before, is why Scott Foley is responsible for the whole thing, is, is we find out, we were so curious in the first place, that he went to the town and was like, hey, you're my mom, and she was like, your mother is dead, I'm a different person now, and slams the door in his face, and he cries about it, so he films... The mother, like, cheating on the father, and that's what, like, sets uh, uh, the dudes off from the first movie. So it's, like, he's, like, claiming responsibility for this whole thing. Who cares? Why are you undoing all the shit that you set up in that movie? I hate when that happens. It's just this, like, you know what? We had this totally great thing, but in this movie, negated. Fuck it. Well, apparently he sat them down, and he was the mastermind. He, he, He negotiated the whole thing. Like, who gives a shit? I'm sorry. This dude is like, a, he's about to celebrate his 30th birthday or something yeah. like that. So, like, this, like, college-age kid comes up to, like, some high school kids. Like, hey, you, uh, you want to see a tape or something? <laughs> hey, you want to kill my mom? <laughs> it's just this weird, like, Dexter thing. Of, like, I'm going to teach you how to use your rage or whatever. The knife goes in the body. <laughs> All right, good luck. Done. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mastermind this whole serial killing spree. Oh no, no, I'm gonna be far away. You, you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna be far away. I'm gonna be making motion pictures in Hollywood. It just doesn't make any sense. Like at the end of that first movie, when the two of them are there and the jig is up, I'd be like, by the way, there's this other dude. 
that came in here and was like training us. And he kept asking us if we were obsessed with movies. He said it wasn't necessary but would help our chances of getting hired. It just doesn't make any sense, you guys. It's oh, so dumb. Do you think he's the guy that calls Aunt Jackie to be part of Scream 2? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that might be. Laurie Metcalf. That's, that's some superhero shit in that movie. There's no way she's lifting Jamie Kennedy off the ground to pull her <laughs> into that van. And Jackie's not that strong. Yeah, Roseanne's put-upon younger sister is not fucking bench-pressing Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> I'd watch that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the old fan was in that one, too. Right? He was. Yeah, yeah, he was Mickey. They Don't need to remember that. But I do. So, Ned Campbell pretty much kills Scott Foley in cold blood. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. He shoots him like five times in the chest, right? And guess what? Doesn't work. Who's got a bulletproof vest on? But he's disarmed and he's like, oh my god, alright, let, let the police take him. She's like, no, I'm going to stab you in the heart for it. Yeah, like, he's unarmed. Yeah. She's like, got him pinned. It's over. And yeah. she's like, you know, dunzo. Right through the heart, presumably. But then he somehow gets back out. They always come up. And what, the best thing you want to do is if you're surrounded by people with guns is charge at them with a pair of scissors. Because like, <laughs> like, that's going to end really well. So she yells at what Dewey did to... To, could you shoot my brother in his head, please? <laughs> could you just shoot him in the head so this movie can get over with? This is two hours, this film. It, it is a two-hour sequel. And I think about, like, 90 minutes and we find out who the killer is, and the rest of it is this end scene. It's just that. running around Lance Henry's oh. porno house. <laughs> it's all it less fun than you might think. <laughs> More fun if they added like the Benny and Hill theme song and they kept running through the secret passages. That would have like a mummy came out. <laughs> better movie. Totally a better movie. Would anybody recommend this movie? No, I think it's the it's somehow the worst of the Scream movies. And I think the Scream trilogy is somehow worse than the Matrix trilogy. Like honestly, the, the oh. Matrix trilogy. At least it's trying stuff, you know, it makes up a whole bunch of garbage every time. But this movie's like, hey, remember this the last one? Let's just do that again, guys. And so it's a lot of fun. Let's just let's try it again. Well that's generally what a sequel does. Yeah. I guess I would agree with that. I mean, uh, at least the Matrix sequels, as terrible as they are, they're uh there's visually new, different things happening. Yeah, different characters. Well, I mean, screen movies, man. <laughs> hey, no, I'm not recommending. Well, I wouldn't recommend it either. And I'd say, though, here's why I think you got a point about those Matrix sequels uh, being better. It's three words. No Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy, as far as I know, is not in any of those Matrix movies. Wait, I think Aunt Jackie's not in the Matrix movies either. <laughs> Oh, and that is Scream Free from the year 2000. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Check us out at WHM Podcast.